This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Scenthound, a unique wellness-focused dog grooming concept with exclusive franchise territories available in key US markets. Learn more at scenthound.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, keeping you up to date with the future of the industry's exciting emerging concepts. I'm Kira McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Over the last 20 years, you know, we've been through a lot of ups and downs. We've been through 9-11, we've been through the Great Recession, and what we've noticed is, is that every single time, small business starts increase during this time. At this point, is no different. Flexible workspaces have become a real talking point in the past year, with many CEOs and business leaders looking to move away from the traditional fixed corporate office. In fact, because alternate styles of working have proven to be so successful during the pandemic, a survey of Fortune 500 CEOs revealed that one quarter were looking to adopt permanent remote working setups. This is great news for brands like Office Evolution, which since its founding in 2003, has exploded nationally to now operate over 70 suburban co-working locations across 26 states. Just last year, the franchise opened over 10 new sites, and because it was permitted to remain operational during the pandemic, Office Evolution has only sped up its growth, while other industries have struggled to maintain momentum. Part of this growth is thanks to Andrea Perotti-Dranchak, Chief Development and Marketing Officer for Office Evolution. Perotti Dranchak has been involved with the flexible workspace world for over 10 years and has seen it develop from a fringe idea into a business mainstay. On this episode, we speak with Andrea about the rise of office evolution, the potential fall of the traditional office model, and how entrepreneurs can benefit from joining this bankable industry. The exciting part is, is that Flexspace is now seen as a strategic part of the business plan for landlords and asset owners, for enterprise and for remote workers, and for small businesses. When I burst this category in 1999, along with an amazing team, at that time, nobody knew what Flexspace was, or then called executive suites. And those who did were kind of skeptical as to its longevity. But there are three really amazing target groups that are driving our growth. And the first is small business, the second is enterprise, and the third is asset or landlords. So over the last 20 years, you know, we've been through a lot of ups and downs. We've been through 9-11, we've been through the Great Recession, and what we've noticed is, is that every single time, small business starts increase during this time. And this, at this point, is no different. And small business must use flex space for their office space needs. Otherwise, what are they going to do? Work from home? The second thing that happens is that enterprise starts to put an eye on flex space. Mm. And I'm not sure if you know this, but facilities costs or the workspace is the second largest fixed line item behind people for any business. Right. Okay. Right. So then all of a sudden enterprise is like, oh my goodness, I have hundreds of millions of square feet sitting on my balance sheet, you know, just fixed. And they're like, there has to be a better way. So then they look to flex space. You know, little fun fact, if if 17 of the Fortune 100 put 20% of their property portfolio in flex space, there would not be enough flex space around the world 
to meet that demand. And that's what we've been forecasting. Right. Okay. So it's a real growing space. I mean, well, just inevitably growing, you know, these businesses need office space. They need office space. And now we have remote workers, Mm. right? Who nobody wants to work from home. No one. (laughs) You want to have the opportunity to work from home. But we just did a survey of our corporate team and at least three quarters of them were like, we want to work. We want to come back in. We miss people, you know? And, um, and so the workspace is alive and, and well. And then finally, we're working uh, closely with landlords or asset owners because they're realizing, I mean, if you look at these office buildings and many of them are sitting empty, they realize that this whole idea of having these long-term fixed leases with 10, 20,000 square feet a pop with, you know, with uh, 10, 20 year fixed leases, nobody wants, not nobody, but many don't want it. So they're actually working with us to put flex space inside their building to provide a feeder for more traditional leases, but also to provide an amenity for their current members. So this is a perfect storm of wonderful stuff that's happening for our category right now. Right. Okay. And um, one of the big trends in the industry, it seems like, uh, which you at Office Evolution, you know, are kind of adapting to is that initially when flexible workspaces were first introduced, and it was this kind of strange concept. Um, they took off in big cities like London and New York, whereas now, you know, it does seem like it's trending more towards suburban areas. Um, is that, you know, do you think that that could change permanently change the way that we view cities as a prime business hub? Or do you think that maybe that's just a symptom of the pandemic currently? Oh, you're absolutely right. When we launched in America, the criteria was how many sports teams did you have in the city? And (laughs) that would determine whether or not. So you'd go into Miami and Atlanta and Dallas and Houston. But you're absolutely right. When Mark Hemeter founded Office Evolution um, back in 2003, he founded this Based on a suburban model, he wanted small business owners to be able to thrive, live and work in their own community. And so I often say Mark must have been clairvoyant because there is this huge movement now out mass exodus from urban to suburban. Um, And if you think of your own work style, I don't know about you, but um, I'll be in my office and then I'll go bring my kids somewhere, and then I'll go back to my office. Nobody wants to be an hour away from their home anymore. You know, you want to be able to live and work in the same community. And so, yes, urban is still relevant, but suburban is now even more relevant. Um, There's this thing called a hub and spoke model. I don't know if you've Uh, if you're familiar with that, but this has been around for a really long time and it's becoming more relevant now. So you have the hub, uh, which is maybe your headquarters, and that could be in major city centers or elsewhere. And then you have these spokes and the spokes or pods are um, connected to the hub, but it allows workers to be close to home and also close to customers. So this hub and spoke model is going to be really uh, more relevant now today than ever. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And especially, you know, from even personal experience working from home, I can't imagine having to commute into, say, London, for example, and then come home. It just is so much more convenient to have everything on your doorstep. Um, Just out of curiosity, with the direction Office Evolution is currently going, are you still, when you're, you know, getting franchisee inquiries, are you still... um, 
accepting inquiries or working with partners who are looking to develop in those major um, urban hubs? Or is it more that you're, you know, maybe turning those down in favor of suburban uh, franchisees? We've always been a suburban model, uh, secondary and tertiary markets. Um, so this is our bread and butter and yeah. we'll continue to grow and thrive in those markets. But certainly if the business case presents itself, um, you know, uh, and there's an opportunity, we, we, we will do our due diligence to determine whether or not it, it makes sense for office evolution in our, in our culture. Yeah, naturally. Something I'm curious about your perspective on as someone who has worked in this industry for a while, and especially at the minute, you know, who's obviously very tuned in to what's happening with corporate office space. Do you think basically that the rise of a flexible workspace will nullify the need for a corporate office? Or do you think that those two entities are kind of things that can always exist within the business world? It will just be certain businesses will favor one over the other. So my feeling is, yeah, traditional leases, traditional headquarters totally make sense. And I I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, you've got Amazon who's just signed along, you know, they're just signing spaces all over the place, Facebook, TikTok. I mean, traditional leases are still really relevant. But just as I would say, you should not have a portfolio with all fixed leases. You, you should not have a portfolio with all flexible leases either. What we've been saying for two decades now is that you have to have a mix an appropriate mix so that you can really effectively align your workspace um, with your business needs. Sure, yeah. That's quite um, similar to what we're seeing, I suppose, in the F&B world, isn't it? Where brands aren't just having, for example, brick and mortar restaurants now. You're incorporating things like ghost kitchens and virtual brands. It's sort of, it's interesting to see it's across the board in every single kind of franchise industry you could imagine, really. Um so uh, sort of secondary to that, um, as the as the flexible workspace model um, does increase and, you know, as we gradually come out of a pandemic, more businesses recognize it as a viable strategy for them. Um, how is Office Evolution planning to maintain standards across all of your locations? You know, because I imagine you will be developing substantially over the latter course of this year and onwards. How are you going to make sure that... Um, either businesses engaging with your uh, brand or franchisees looking to partner with, uh, as an Office Evolution franchisee, how are they going to get the, the best experience out of that? How are you going to keep those standards high? This is a, I love this question. And I can answer hand on heart, truthfully, we have been uh, on the Entrepreneur 500 list for, and best of the best, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. And we left some 140-something spaces from 2020 and to 2021. And our quality of service remains the same. And I'll tell you why. It's our, number one, it's our people. Right. It's our Ohana. We, uh, our founder is from Hawaii. He's Hawaiian. And Ohana is Hawaii, Hawaiian for family. And it is truly based on the caliber of our people who all come and rally together every single day. And that means our corporate staff, our franchisees, as well as their business center managers. So it's people number one. Number two, we have what we call a proven formula. And so we believe in build once, replicate over and over and over again. Now, we always have an eye on continuous improvement, right? So this formula does involve and we allow for incremental changes time after time after time, but everything is rooted in that formula. And number three is we run the business by the numbers. We really do. So we know 
which, and we're kind of ruthless in the numbers that we choose to follow because you only want to choose a number or a KPI uh, where you can pull a lever to affect a change. And so we know that based on the numbers, they guide the way. And then we draw upon our wealth of experience in the co-working category. I mean, we have some almost 100 years of experience in this category between all of us to determine the, the right way to go. So people, formula, and running the business by the numbers is how we'll continue to provide a really quality service as we grow, continue to grow. Um, I want to come back to the idea of the Ohana in a moment, because that is quite an important differentiator for you guys in uh, you know what is becoming an increasingly competitive space. Um, but just on the idea of the pandemic that we spoke about a moment ago, uh, Office Evolution, am I right in thinking you were allowed to, you were permitted to remain open throughout the duration of the pandemic, whereas a lot of other industries and businesses had to unfortunately shut, them, shut their doors for... Um, you know, prolonged periods of time. Um, during that time when you remained open, were there any considerable changes uh, that had to be made to accommodate, you know, safety and uh, health and safety and cleanliness? Or was it largely you were able to deliver the same experience as you have been all these years? Well, the exciting thing about our market, I, and it's true, inherent in the in the flexible workspace category is an offering that we have called the mail service, and we become agents of the post office. So our entire category was deemed an essential service, and we did remain open throughout the pandemic. Our model was very unique because since we are only located in suburban markets, we had this, there was no commute. Right. So as while people didn't want to take buses and trains, et cetera, to go into the city, all they had to do was hop in their car, go to our office. There's ample parking. Typically, we're located on the first or second floor, typically. And so there's no elevator to ride. Right. And our locations are small, typically less than 10,000 square feet. So there's a very predictable community. You know who your neighbor is. And because they're locally owned and operated, there's this certain accountability and a sense of safety. So, so, and finally, we had a very high density of private offices in our floor plan. So you were social distancing by definition. So, um, all those things laid a very powerful foundation for us to be able to operate during COVID. Then, of course, we layered it on with you have to take your temperature before you come in and extra protocol with regards to really meticulously wiping down the workspaces and people wearing masks. And also in the open spaces that we do have, allowing uh, space between um, the folks who were, who were sitting. But ultimately, you know, it's been a very positive experience for our, uh, for our franchisees and our, and our members. Right. And that transitions quite nicely into just uh, diving a little bit deeper into this idea of Ohana and making you know a family feel, the philosophy behind the brand. Um, what does that actually look like from a franchisee's perspective? How do you make sure that everyone not only feels supported, but you know, while you develop and have all these locations across the states and internationally, um, you know, how do you make sure everyone feels a part of a cohesive franchise family? You know, during our discovery days, which we actually call Ohana days, we uh, read our core value speech. Mark Hameter reads our core value speech, and we look at our candidates, and we look to see, are they just kind of like, you know, going and 
you know, forcing their way through it as Mark reads his core value speech? Are they leaning forward and engaging? Does that, do our core values really interest them? Is this something that is important to them? Um, and so that we start at the very beginning. And part of our core values uh, speech reads the words, we stand by those who try, believe in their own talents, dream of a better life, and say, I can do this, right? And that permeates throughout every person who engages in our ohana. Um, and the truth is, we all just roll our sleeves up and support each other. And when the pandemic hit in March of last year, we increased our owner's calls to two and often three times a week. And what we'd see in the Zoom chat was, thank goodness for our ohana. And that didn't mean thank goodness for our corporate team who's getting on the phone, but thank goodness for all the other franchisees who are lending ideas, offering support, a shoulder to cry on, quelling fears, and best practices to what they can do to speak to landlords and new packages and pricing that they can offer. This was a truly collaborative effort. And we as corporate, um, we launched our dreamers, risk takers, and doers inspired here movement because we felt that it was important to wrap our arms virtually around these people who we really just wanted to embrace. And it's, it may sound silly, but every single um, franchisee, their business center managers, and many of their members received a handwritten note from us and with a t-shirt, uh, a Dreamers vs. Takers and Doers t-shirt to say, while we can't be there with you today, we want you to know that we're by your side, we're rallying for you, and we hope that you extend, um, uh, you know, accept this t-shirt as a token of our warm embrace. That doesn't sound silly at all. It's those kinds of little, you know, touches that do make franchisees feel appreciated beyond just, you know, a sort of pat on the back or a weekly earnings call. Um, but so, yeah, it sounds like you've really managed to foster that community family feel beyond just having it as a, a tagline for the brand. Um, the the last thing I want to talk to you about, Andrea, is just kind of the, the sort of franchisees that you look for when developing the um Office Evolution Network, you know, do they necessarily need to be people who have particular experience in, for example, things like real estate, or are there more other factors, you know, is it more personality traits that you look for, for to join that Ohana? I love that question. We look for most of our um, franchisees are husband and wife teams. It's very interesting. Some are, some are not. Most of them are husband and wife teams. And typically they are serial entrepreneurs or they've had incredibly successful careers in business and they are looking for supplemental income and then ultimately replacement income. Ours is a 93% recurring revenue and is a semi-absentee model. So we are looking for people who have or are cultural fit. We are looking for people who will follow the formula and embrace the formula and who will join us with an incredibly positive attitude because Times get rough, you know, and it really is your attitude in life that guides you through. So we find that underlying um, positive attitude is a magical um, addition to the criteria. We have, uh, we handhold or guide our franchisees through the entire process. So as soon as they come on board, they're assigned a franchise business consultant who will work uh, with them, guiding them through 
We have in-house real estate and construction, so guiding them through site selection and build out working on with them on the performa to make sure it makes business sense, guiding them through all of the marketing activity. We have in-house marketing through technology, through operations, through the hiring of their most important uh, person, which is their business center manager, through getting them open and public relations support. So what we really want to know is you have a great entrepreneurial spirit. You want to be a part of this Ohana. You have a great attitude. And, you know, we're just going to hit the ground running with them. Yeah. So it's good to hear that um, you don't necessarily need to be experienced in this, you know, real estate It is more that um, real drive that you guys are looking for, which I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to hear because this is an industry that's really exploding. Um, and so I imagine you'll have quite a few franchisees coming to you in the coming months and years. Um, well, thanks very much for your time today, Andrea. It's been really great speaking with you about this really genuinely quite exciting emerging industry. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing what's next for Office Evolution as the pandemic subsides and you guys uh, inevitably, no doubt, develop even further. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share our story. And we love your publication and, um, and we look forward to engaging with you even more in the future. So thank you. By always placing a focus on the suburban market, Office Evolution managed to accurately predict where this emerging industry would be headed years before something like a pandemic totally shook up the way we view a fixed city-based office. Andrea may have been right in her view that founder Mark Hemeter could see the future, and it was this, combined with a consistent respect for its community, that has propelled the brand to a real front-runner in the US flexible workspace market. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Have you engaged with a flexible workspace provider? And how has it impacted the bottom line for your organization? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.